Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is David Bryant. I've been a part of this congregation for over 30 years, and I thank Pastor Jeff that he invited me to share a little bit with you this morning. Now, I've preached thousands of sermons over the years, but I've never started off a sermon quite the way I'm going to do here in two different ways. First of all, you know how an author usually has on the front page of their, of their book a dedication to somebody very special in their lives? I want to dedicate this sermon to somebody very special, and that's Colleen Fletcher, because um, this sermon is really about the thing that is at the very core of her being. And the second thing I want to do is begin a sermon with a prediction. I have a prediction about everybody sitting here in front of me right now. Something that's absolutely for certain going to happen sooner than later to every one of us in this room at this moment. And that is there's coming a day, there really is coming a day when you and I are going to see our Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Just like you're looking at my face, for which I apologize, but in the, sa- in the same way, you're actually going to see his face. He'll be right there before us. And, uh, you know, the Bible says every eye will see him. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him, for we will see him as he is. The Bible says in the new heaven and new earth, the Lamb, Jesus, will be at the center of the throne. His servants will serve him, that's us, and they will see his face. And I'm saying all that because the topic that's been assigned to me for this morning, another of one of the essentials that we're looking at this fall, is that Jesus is essential. And certainly at that moment, at that time, then, we'll know that's true, but that's still equally true right now. And uh, at at that point there, it will be true, but it's equally true right here. Jesus is essential. Uh, I think it was Augustine, uh, one of the greatest thinkers, not only of the church, but of the last two millennia in this world, St. Augustine, who was uh, in the fourth century, he was, you know, saved out of debauchery. And when he came to Christ, boy, he came on fire for Jesus they say that Augustine wrote, wrote, wrote more about Jesus than any other person in the history of the church. He was so in love with him. And there was a, there's a statement he made that's one of his most famous. And it goes like this. Those who have Christ have everything. Those who have everything but do not have Christ have nothing. And those who have everything plus Christ have no more than those who have Christ alone. You know, it's another way of saying it is, Jesus is not only all we need. Jesus is not only all we want. Jesus is all we have. Now, and then. You know, in John 15, Jesus said, talking about vine and branches, remember he said, you're the branches, I'm the vine. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And then he said, for without me, you can do nothing. The flip side of that coin would be, 
Without me also you have nothing. That's what it means to say that Jesus is essential. And if there was one verse out of the whole Bible I would grab a hold of that might represent uh, this theme for this morning, if I had to choose one, it would be Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. That tells us what's in the heart of our Father, what's in His heart for now, what's in His heart for all eternity, what was in His heart and in all the work of our redemption. There's one thing that drives the heart of God the Father, and that's that His Son, it says, that in everything Christ might have the supremacy, that he might have the preeminence, that he might have first place, that he might have the top place, that the whole universe would recognize that he is absolutely essential. I love that word, supreme. It's a, it's a good synonym for essential. So what, what does that all mean? You know, there's something I love to do with audiences sometimes. If we had time, I'd do it with all of you. But I'll, I'll tell you what the experiment is. Maybe you'd like to try it later on today. You could try it, uh, you know, with a friend or in your small group or maybe with your family around the dinner table tonight. Sort of a little fun thing where I suggest that you imagine yourself being invited by one of the, the most popular talk show hosts on the radio, on Sirius XFM, and that you are uh, going to be heard by millions of this, uh, this host's followers. And he or she has invited you to come to the mic, and they're going to give you three minutes, three minutes to tell the whole nation the answer to this question, who is Jesus Christ today? What would you say? Now, there's some qualifiers here. You're not allowed to talk about who he was in the days that we read about in the gospel, the days of his earthly ministry. You're not allowed to talk about who he will be when he comes in glory and all the things that are promised for all those ages to come. Nor are you allowed to talk about what he's done for you. Instead, talk about who he is, even if you never existed. Who is Jesus Christ today? Now, when I, when I work with an audience, I'll have... People turn in pairs and give each person three minutes, see what happens. I'll tell you what happens. Almost without exception, most Christians, committed Christians, evangelical Christians, people just like us, about one minute they're out. They don't know what else to say about who he is at this very moment. And why, why should that be? Because he is essential. He's he is our life. For me to live, Paul says, is Christ. You remember Mary and Martha, and Jesus was visiting their home, and of course Martha was preparing the meal, were really busy, and Mary decided she wanted to sit at Jesus' feet and just sit there and absorb as much of him as she could get. And, and Martha comes in and says, please tell Mary to come help me in the kitchen. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious about a lot of things. But Mary has chosen the one thing essential, and it will not be taken away from her. I wonder if there's some facets of the essentiality of Jesus that's been taken away from us. You know, about 25 years ago, I set out on a journey. 
You could call it a listening tour. I took my ears with me everywhere I went. And I wanted, what I wanted to do is I wanted to discover what the supremacy of Christ means in a number of different ways. I wanted to listen because I traveled all across the country and in many other parts of the world. I, I just wanted to listen. What, what were God's people saying about God's Son? I also, during that time, read through maybe some 200 books on the person of Christ, going back to early church fathers right up to the very present. And, of course, I spent a lot of time in the Scriptures trying to find out everything the Bible says about who Jesus Christ is today, foreshadowed in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament. And I had three-by-five cards, and every time I heard a new insight on the person of Jesus today, I would write it down, and I'd throw it in a shoebox. Well, over time, eventually, I had 12 shoeboxes stuffed with three-by-five cars. So then I looked at all of that, you know, this is after a number of years, and I looked at all of that, and I thought, if that's what it means to know who Jesus Christ is today, how can you help God's people get their arms around all of this? You know, Paul said, I preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. They're unsearchable. So even those 12 boxes is just the beginning. So I spent some time sorting through, trying to figure it out. To make a long story short, I eventually came up with seven prepositions. I've written a lot about this, spoken a lot about this. I'm just going to share them with you briefly here. You know, I've written books on each of these, but just, just for us, I think we can get a hold of it here in the next three or four minutes. Seven prepositions that summarize everything the Bible says about the supremacy of Christ, about the essentiality of Christ, about who Jesus is today. The Jesus you love, the Jesus you follow, the Jesus you belong to. These seven prepositions capture it all. So let me say them, and you repeat them after me, and then I'll go back and sort of fill them in. I think you'll find this really does turn some light bulbs on. Would you repeat them after me? The the essential nature of Jesus is related to who he is to us, for us, over us, before us, um, within us, through us, and upon us. That's everything the Bible teaches about the essentiality of Jesus Christ. Now, let me go back and just fill it in a little bit for you. Who he is to us, this is about who he is as a person, his person, his nature, his character, his deity, his, his intimacy within the Trinity, uh, that he is our identity and our, our destiny. It's just who he is as a person. There's so much in the Bible just about the personhood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is for us? That's all that he has done for our redemption, for our salvation. And it basically comes down to four major ways he has worked for us. And you put them all together, and I call it Jesus' irreversible fourfold revolution. It's a spiritual revolution. It's for all of us in this room. And that's fourfold revolution is who uh, is his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and something we hardly ever think about, but of equal importance, his ascension. All four working together is what Jesus Christ has done for us and for our salvation. Who is over us as he is reigning over everything right now? And there are six major areas that the Bible teaches where the reign of Jesus is going forth in this hour. Very easy. You'll catch it. Here we go. He's reigning over the workings of creation. 
He's reigning over the unfolding of world history. He's reigning over the uh, designs of global rulers. He's reigning over the destiny of earth's peoples. He's reigning over the rebellions of the dark powers, and he's reigning over the building of his church. That's going on. That's who he is. That's what he's doing at this very hour. And then who he is before us, he goes ahead of us in four different ways. He goes ahead of us into the future to bring some of it back to us. Oh, there's so much to unpack even in that statement alone. He goes before us into the heavens to take us there with him, and that's really where we are, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. He goes before us into the promises of God to fulfill them, to make them his own, and then to bring them back and share them with us. And he goes before us into the world to open up the ways for us to serve him from here to the ends of the earth. Then who he is within us. Listen, dear friends, you and I, Individually, together, do you understand the living Lord Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, is living out in us, within us, and among us, is living out his victorious, risen, ascended life every moment we breathe, transforming us in the process. And then who he is through us, as he lives out his ongoing ministry through us, through the gifts of the Spirit and how we minister to one another, and through all kinds of other ways as we move out in mission into into the neighborhood, into the community, uh, right to the ends of the earth. Oh, the explosion of ministries around the world as he is living out his risen, ascended life through us as well, individually and together. And then finally, who he is upon us as he comes upon his people at times in order to to intensify and deepen and enrich and release a lot more of what he's already doing and taking it further than we've ever gone before. Sometimes when that happens, we call it revival or a Christ awakening or renewal. And one day we will call it the second coming of Christ when he comes upon the whole universe to bring everything God has been up to to its full consummation. So there it is. That's who Jesus Christ is today. That's who he is to us and for us and over us and before us, within us and through us and upon us. Paul is absolutely right. These are unsearchable riches we've only begun to explore. And so you see, if somebody gave me three minutes in front of a mic, (laughs) they might not be able to stop me, you know. It might take more than three. But it it could happen to every one of us here if we just start really digging in to this person who is absolutely essential, who Paul says is our all in all. So how do we respond to this? Well, again, there's a lot of ways I could mention, but in the time we have, I would give you one verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Very simple. And this is being written to Christians, all right? Peter says, but in your heart, consecrate Christ as Lord. Now, a lot of times we read that verse the wrong way. Notice it does not say, in your heart, consecrate yourself to Christ as Lord. I mean, we should do that. That's not what Peter's talking about here. There are times when you and I as believers, we we need to take stock 
We may not be walking with Jesus the way he deserves. And there may be times when we need to consecrate him. Now, what does consecrate mean? It means to set apart. Peter's saying, there are times when in your heart, that's the depths of your affections and your passions and the, and the intentions of your life, that in your heart, you need to go back and say, Jesus, I, I want to put you back where you belong. I want to give you your rightful place. I want to set you aside as supreme. I want to set you aside as essential. I want you to take up that role in my life again. I want it with all of my heart. In this room, 30 years ago, when this church was in one of its darkest hours, when there was a lot of division, a lot of anger, it's a long story. But one night, it was a Tuesday night, I remember it so, so vividly, about 70 of the spiritual leaders, the elders, the deacons, some of the other leaders of the church, gathered in this sanctuary. Now, at that time, we had three big, what they call pulpit chairs up here, and they, they sort of look like royal thrones. I, don't, I guess that's how they used to think of pastors back in those days, I don't know. So we grabbed one of those chairs and we brought it, well, the piano wasn't there then, but we brought it right down here. And I shared with them some of these ideas, not, not this message, but about who Jesus needs to be in the life of this congregation. And it was obvious that something was not right. So basically, based on that verse, that verse, at the end of that time, I invited and they came and they surrounded I said, I want you to pretend that this is the throne we read about in Revelation 5, that Jesus, the Lamb, is, is sitting at the center of that throne right now. Just, let's just be little children here. Kingdom belongs to little children. Let's be little children. Let's pretend he's right here. Because in a sense, by the Spirit, he really is right here. So let's surround this throne. And to those who are close in, lay your hands on the throne, the way we often lay hands on people when we consecrate them, set, set them apart, like to, to become missionaries or whatever. Lay your hands on the throne, others crowding around. So we were all circled around the throne. And then we prayed prayers of consecrating Christ, inviting him to come back into the life of this church to be who he really is, because that was our only way out. And after we had prayed a number of prayers, different ones, then we sang together, together in unison, crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne, hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king throughout eternity. That was a sacred moment. And I do believe that was a breakthrough spiritually which allows us to be here in this room right now. So how, how do I suggest you go out of here and apply everything you've heard? Number one, I suggest maybe sometime today, take, take a few minutes alone and, and see if maybe you need to take Peter seriously and go back and start all over again in your walk with Jesus and put him back where he rightfully belongs every moment you breathe and invite him I mean, even repent of how we've sort of dismissed him or just used him and say, I want you to be fully and thoroughly supreme in everything I do and say. 
Isn't that what Paul says? In all that you do and say, let it all be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, making, uh, giving thanks to God through him. Everything, word and deed, it's all about him. It's all about him. And to give him that rightful place. And then I have a, a second suggestion I would make that they put up on the screen here. I don't know if you know about BibleGateway.com, but that's a place where you can go and uh, download Scripture uh, from different, many different translations. So I suggest you go, just do the NIV version. You'll see how to do that. Uh, cut and paste it into a, into a Word document. Uh, just Colossians chapter 1. And then this week, or maybe 1 and 2, whatever you want, but this week, take a yellow highlighter. I've done this through my whole Bible. Take a yellow highlighter and start reading through Colossians and highlight every word, every phrase, or even sometimes a whole verse that tells you something more about who Jesus Christ is today. And let God's word do his work within your soul so that the word matches your prayer of a consecrating of Christ. Now the word starts building into you a whole new vision of the glory of Christ. God's word by God's spirit. I'd like us to end by saying together those wonderful words of St. Augustine. Would you join me together? Those who have Christ have everything. Those who have everything but do not have Christ have nothing. And those who have everything plus Christ have no more than those who have Christ alone. Oh, Father. Let this message sink deep into all of our lives. Amen.